0: Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and today I'm joined by my friend, Lily Stiermo. Lily is back. Lily is a a financial advisor at TCI Wealth, and in particular, Lily is a bit of an expert or has an expertise, whichever uh, Lily tells me is the right way to describe her, in sustainable investing. So we're talking sustainable investing today. Uh, Lily, thanks for joining me.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Brent. It's so good to see you,
0: yeah, good to see you too. Have you been?
1: i've been I've been good. I've been busy. We're training for um a twenty four hour mountain bike race right now. and mm. it's been taking up a lot of a lot of my weekends.
0: Yeah. I could yeah. see how that would happen. Yeah. So <laughs> is this like the ragnar of mountain biking?
1: Yeah, it's we have a team of five. Someone has to be riding every minute. And it's a 16 mile course. So it's going to be really fun. It's it's not next weekend, but the weekend after. So we're getting geared up for it.
0: Cool. Yeah. Is this is this happening somewhere around the Tucson metropolitan area?
1: It's in um, just north of Catalina. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice and chilly and windy up there right now.
0: I've
1: got nice. of time up
0: there. <laughs> you got to get all geared up, Lily. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. Born and, raised,
1: born and raised in Tucson is. Not, you know, February cold wind is not really my cup of tea.
0: <laughs> I think, like, just for what it's worth, and I don't ride m- mountain bikes, so this could be a completely ignorant comment, but perhaps before the race, you should stop off at like an REI or some other store that might sell gear appropriate for colder weather.
1: <laughs> I think that's really good advice that might already be on the list uh, this week <laughs> for an REI. Okay.
0: Well, if you needed somebody to give you permission, you, you have my permission now.
1: <laughs> Feel free to do it. Oh, thanks, Brett.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was the least I could do. So, is this an epics ride event? Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I know the epics ride folks. Todd Sadow is a friend, really? Yeah,
1: oh, oh gosh, small world. Yeah, yes. that's what it is. I'm I've never done it. I've never done any um, bike race at all. So this will be my first time.
0: Nice. Very good. Well, I hope you have a fun time and I hope Todd is nice to you. And if he's not, you tell me and then I'll make sure next time he's nicer.
1: Deal. Okay. You got it.
0: I can't, I can't promise he'll waive any fees, but (laughs) at least he'll be, he'll, he'll he'll be more personable.
1: (laughs) That's all you can ask
0: for. Yeah. (laughs) This is not gonna be a problem for anybody who knows Todd. He's the most personable person on the planet. So, um, okay. Well, speaking of the outdoors and and uh, being in the environments, um, I thought we'd talk about sustainable investing. It's I know it's a topic that's uh, that's something that you're very into and and use professionally. Um, but I think there's a lot of I'll say uh, gray areas or if not just flat out misunderstandings when it comes to sustainable investing. So perhaps where to start is to at least give people a high level overview of like, what does that even mean when you say sustainable investing?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I can definitely do that. So really big picture, um, sustainable investing. And then another term that's used a lot and you see it um, coming up more and more is ESG investing. So thinking about those two terms, it can go in a lot of different directions. So it can, And it can go environmental, it can go diversity, it can go um, kind of what's happening in the boardrooms of these different corporations. But in general, sustainable investing is putting your dollars towards something that not only is expected to give you a return over time, but hopefully also align with your values in some way. So whether that's Investing in companies that are emitting less greenhouse gas emissions or divesting in companies that are involved directly with palm oil production. Um, It can be so many different avenues, but that's the gist is um, aligning your investment goals. With something else you're passionate about, whether it be environmental, social, or governance,
0: right? Yeah. And so ESG, is that what ESG stands for? Just for anybody who's not in the know, environmental, social, and government governance.
1: That's right. Yep, that's that's the that's the three. And so sometimes when you're looking at different ETFs or different mutual funds, um, and I might be getting too quick into the weeds, but um, there's some funds that just say ESG, you know, Vanguard ETF, and their goal is to incorporate all three of those things. Um, and then sometimes you can find really specific funds that are mostly focused on water conservation or really focused on um, gender equity. So it can get very specific, or it can be super broad and just focused on making sure the companies that are invested in this index, right, are following specific guidelines based on what investors are looking for.
0: And is the idea that if you, you know, let's you know pick on Vanguard here just a little bit. So if you okay. if you were a regular old investor And you just invested in, say, like the Vanguard total market ETF that just sort of tries to match the market in a broad swath. Uh, But you personally did not want to support companies that were not doing their part on these different issues. You know, pick one or all of them that you think is important, say, on climate change or environmental sustainability, excuse me, um, environmental impact, social impact, social issues, uh, proper good board and governance, diversity. You know, as you're describing, like a huge swath of things that you would say, Vanguard Total Market Fund is a great fund, but it's not the one for me because I don't want my money going into the fund that ultimately is propping up the equity of these companies that I don't support.
1: Yeah, Exactly right. And um, it's really evolved over time um, to see funds that are now available to investors at a much lower cost. So the expense ratio of these funds has really come down, not in all of them, but um, generally when you used to think about sustainable investing or ESG investing, it was expensive because there was a lot of uh, grading that had to happen and more active management. But I think there are more options now of kind of that passive index. Um, but being able to put tilts or grades and, and the, just the technology that we have now and the overall ask, I think, from investors is getting so much bigger that, um, you know, funds are having to keep up with with that demand and how do they make it more accessible to a larger audience? Um, so that's been really exciting to see that evolution.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Do you think that's a sort of a technological product, or do you think it's more just economies of scale have come into that that area of the market where now there's there's so much more information available that it's easier for, say, fund managers to put those funds together at a lower
1: cost? I, th- I think it's I think it's that scale, and I I think it's it's both. Um but now that those different grading metrics exist, you can kind of plug and play a little bit more and it's it's just giving investors so many more opportunities to say well this is this is the issue that is really important to me. Where do I go to find you know the the match um so the and I think the other piece of it that we're seeing a lot of, and if you've read kind of the recent Wall Street Journal um, articles, there's been some interesting kind of um, deeper dives into what sustainable investing really is. And is it actually sustainable? Um, and I think you'll see that in any space where there's um, green, there's going to be green washing too. So that's something that's certainly top of mind for me is if I'm talking to a client about sustainable funds, I wanna make sure we're using something that's truly in their eyes and in my eyes, meeting those standards and just, doesn't just have a you know, pretty name on it to make people think, oh, well, I'm doing something good. That's all I need to do.
0: Yeah, so can you explain that just a little bit then for people, the, the idea of greenwashing and how does that happen? And then maybe how do you go about identifying it?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, just a really general example, if you're shopping at Target and you want to buy some shampoo and there's a panda bear on the shampoo label and it says green, bup, 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 um, you need to do a little more research to really see, is it truly sustainable? What are they doing? What's the company's practices? Or does it just have a really happy panda bear on there to make you want to buy some new shampoo? So, um Same can be said with um, the food that we eat. Same can be said with uh, sustainable funds. So um, taking a look at the prospectus, taking a look at what the actual methodology is for that manager um, is really where you figure out what makes that mutual fund or that ETF sustainable. Um, There are certainly different considerations that you want to keep in mind, too, of how concentrated is the mutual fund that you're looking at. Are you really giving up a lot of diversification in in terms of your overall investment plan? How concentrated do you want to be? How expensive is the fund? So there's a lot of different things that you need to start thinking about um, along with what's the methodology to make that fund sustainable or not.
0: So then... I guess it sounds. I mean, it sounds to me like the challenge, if there's a challenge, is if you're if you're trying to invest in sustainable funds or ESG funds, how do you cut through what in essence amounts to corporate marketing and get to actual substance? And is that something that conversations that you have with your clients of trying to try to you know uh, educate them on the difference between the two and how to identify the two?
1: Oh yes, a lot. Um, you know, we have we have an investment committee at TCI with a group of very smart people that are looking at the funds that we you know, recommend and are using. Um, so I have a re- I'm really lucky to have a team of people that give me a lot of that good information, but I'm constantly sort of looking at what else should we be considering? What else is out there? Um, and something that I just recently wrote about that I think is an, an exciting option for a very specific type of client would be um, an SMA. Or separately managed account so say you have a sustainable fund right and it's focusing on greenhouse gas emissions um monocultures and water waste management right that's a really good fund for a lot of people that want to invest in sustainable but then you have a client that maybe wants to screen out all big pharma or wants to screen out all weapons no weapons Right. And SMA can be a good option, a separately managed account, because it gives the client or the investor the discretion to say, these are the things I'm screening out. We, we're not holding those in the portfolio. Um, it's not a great option for everyone, but if you have very, very specific uh, goals and you know exactly what you're screening out, that can be a, a good option. And again, uh, fees are going down, the minimums are going down on those. So it's becoming more applicable for a bigger group of people.
0: And that's a, a a separately managed fund within a mutual fund or ETF offering, not, not trying to pick like individual stocks, for example.
1: So it would be if you had, I'll give you a, an example. If you had a, a client, maybe you would use their US large cap portion um, for the SMA. And then you could build it out with mutual funds in the international space, emerging market space. But the SMA is indeed um, a lot of individual stocks. The goal would be to make sure it's still really well diversified, right? Keep trading costs low, all of those different things. But um, you have a little more, you have that discretion to say, hey, these are the few things that we're really going to take out.
0: Yeah, and it seems like that's that's something that I hear a lot when it comes to sustainable investing, ESG type investing, that ultimately where people uh, end up, if they're really deep into this is picking individual stocks and trying to pick individual companies that they believe, at least based on the prospectus and whatever information they have available to them, actually put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, actually do the thing that they say that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is that consistent for you or do you think um, I'm seeing it differently I than think, reality, I should say?
1: <laughs> I think that there's certainly a group that that do that. Um, my concern with when you get really, really granular or you're getting really, really specific. Is that can jeopardize your long-term goals if you get too exclusionary. If you're, if you're kind of screening out everything, where, what's left to really kind of diversify your portfolio. So um, you got to be mindful of keeping those investment philosophies that are sound, and then weighing it with what can what can we screen and still be, you know. Um, prudent. So I think something else that we'll often talk about with clients is here's here's a sustainable fund. This is certainly in line with your goals, but then let's put our money where our mouth is in terms of let's donate, let's be out in the community, let's be using our dollars charitably in a way that is also really impactful. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can certainly invest sustainable and then do some things that are really specific within your community that make a big impact. And you can see that, which is really fun and um, I think a really uh, tangible way to see your dollars at work. So it can be a balance and it really should be a balance of both if it's something important to you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Then it's not just about uh, profit making motive. It's about actually you personally trying to have some sort of impact in that area.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: How it, well, how gl- granular do people tend to go? So, for example, you mentioned um, maybe in somebody's U.S. large cap portion of their funds, they might do these sorts of things. But what about their bond portfolio? Are they trying to screen out municipalities or local jurisdictions that have a bad environmental record and and poor environmental policies and not buy bonds from those jurisdictions? Or, or are, they, are people typically not getting down to that level of of uh, detail
1: that's a really good one I haven't had anyone really get deep into the fixed income sustainable uh, world or I, at least I haven't had a client really ask me that that question which is a good question um, however there are sustainable fixed income funds. Um, and so companies that are issuing a bond, and I forget what the exact percentage international-wise, where it needs to be used, that project needs to be used, I don't know, 60%, don't quote me on that, for <laughs> a sustainable project or a green project, then it can be essentially a green bond. So we're we're seeing more um, uh, sustainable fixed income funds um, in that space, too, and I think it can be green bonds specifically. Or it can be, again, maybe screening out the companies that are the dirtiest, the worst offenders, and just not buying their their fixed income at all. So it, it, it can be both, which is an option.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It does seem like if you were going to truly have a sustainable portfolio or, or ESG-friendly portfolio, you would have to go both ways, both equity and bonds. It might even be arguable. And, and i think there is an argument for this but it might even be arguable that buying bonds from a company is much more of a direct investment in the company than buying equities because when you're buying equities that are on the public market the the cash raise so to speak happened long ago you know those, those equities have changed hands many times since and the company got their pound of flesh in an offering that was in the very distant past. So what you're buying is not necessarily a direct investment straight into the company. It's just between you and the seller. That's the transaction. But if the bond, that's between you and the company.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a great, great point. Um, And then another interesting piece to this, too, is um, shareholder resolutions proxy voting and thinking about if you're um, invested in a fund where you know that they're going to put forth the effort to, you know, bring up sustainable resolutions or pressure the company to set metrics in their climate change um, promises and seriously start setting those um, goals and and metrics. That's another piece where there's direct um, action being taken where in the equity space, maybe that doesn't have that same impact, right? So you're you're spot on there.
0: Do you think there's um do you think there's a difference between say sustainable investing or ESG and quote unquote impact investing and if there is what is it because I I'm not even sure I know what it is.
1: <laughs> I need to look back at my um CSRIC book because um there's this designation chartered sustainable and responsible investing counselor and first chapter Gives you the list of here are all the different types of sustainable investing in this big umbrella. Um, There's ESG investing, there's impact investing. And if I'm thinking about it right, it can be impact investing or community based investing, could be putting your dollars into a low income housing market to build up more available housing for a specific group of of people, or maybe it's Funding the food bank, maybe it's different things. Another example would be there's a co-op on, I think it's on 4th Avenue that's asking for community funding so they can expand. And they they do a lot of um, cool stuff in the community. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but there's, there's different types of impact investing. I think community based in a small scale. Again, then your dollars are in a much more concentrated market if that was all that you were doing. So how do you maybe do a little bit of that impact investing without jeopardizing, again, your long-term plan? That's always the balance.
0: Yeah, it does seem like that's quite a balance. Do you think the the stress test of the pandemic has been revealing for for companies that supposedly were green or supposedly were ESG-friendly, and now it's pretty clear that their policies now, maybe they have the policies, but when when it comes to implementing the policies that they are lacking.
1: Yeah, def- definitely. And it, I think you see it a lot um, in the in the ESG, the S, so the social mm-hmm. um, mass exodus of people leaving their jobs um, and wanting to work for a company that treats them well has good benefits has um, a supportive management system so that social piece of treating your employees well um, seemed to be very apparent to me in the in the pandemic where if employees aren't getting treated well they're going to leave they're going to go find something that um, you know is better for them and i think that's that's Saying the same thing with investors or consumers. They want to put their dollars into something that they know isn't, you know, scorching the environment and treating their employees like, you know, uh, <laughs> they're disposable. That's
0: Yeah, that's like not. non-humans, like they're not human beings
1: yeah maybe like yeah. good business practice is making sure your employees are treated like human beings
0: yeah and well I, yeah um so on it so let me give you a this is an analogy because I understand this is not directly on point and where my question about the pandemic is really coming from because during the pandemic and you may remember this there was a particular group um in Tucson that was raising funds raising funds from the community. The stated goal of these funds was to take the money and to give the money as assistance mm-hmm. for remote workers to relocate and live in Tucson. So you'd give them, I don't know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to come here so that they could live here and then work remotely, say, out of a Silicon Valley company. Got it. This I think on the surface sounded like a smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. However, the second that I heard it, I thought, um, don't we have one of the highest poverty rates in the country? Why are (laughs) we not giving this money to people in Tucson? Don't people in Tucson, need this kind of assistance? Why are we looking somewhere else? And for me, it was a, now we're being stress tested and we've revealed our true colors. And I've always been frustrated with certain organizations in town that are always looking outside for assistance, never looking internal. To try to help people who are actually here to sort of build things up here now i understand that's maybe not directly a, a sustainability maybe that's an s and the esg thing yeah. But for me it was it was the pandemic it was a stress test and the and the cards were shown and it just it just confirmed to me what i already thought about these organizations i would never give money to any of them i wouldn't give a dime to a single yeah. one of them yeah. and i suspect that now more broadly speaking for investors that you're working with, there may be some of that sort of revelation happened during the pandemic where now people are like, yeah, I really would never give money to that that company.
1: Oh, yeah. And I, and even, you know, Tucson specific, thinking about all the people that have lost their jobs and the our homeless population just continuing to grow and grow and grow, total aside. But just, yeah, the pandemic really brought forth, there are a lot of of gaps and um, just an unbelievable amount of work that we could be doing in helping our community. And we're just, I think we're missing the mark a lot, which is good incentive to change and to be yeah. into doing what we're doing, talking about this.
0: So how do you sell this to clients? Invest in uh, a more narrowly tailored uh, set of investments and it's more expensive. How do you sell that?
1: <laughs> I, I will tell you that I don't sell it. I, I, there, there are going to be um, clients that I work with or investors that have no interest in the sustainable investing world. I always bring it up um, to say, "Hey, this is an option." But sometimes there are, there will be clients that just do not really even want to get into it or know what it's about, and that's fine. Um, often it's, it's the other way around where clients find me because I have that specific niche um and they they tell me this is what I want to do this is why how do we do it so um been a really great match because that's some i mean sustainability making sure the environment is well protected is something that is always top of mind for me that's that's my thing i'm always out i'm i'm want to make sure that when, if and when I have kids, they can go to the Grand Canyon and hike down to the bottom and enjoy it and love it. And it's beautiful. And so, um, and that, you know, we have clean drinking water for everyone, everywhere. Um, I think
0: there's, yeah, I think there's broad consensus that we we all <laughs> want clean drinking water, at least.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, air that we can breathe and feel good about. So, yeah, I, I think that that specific type of client often finds me Mm. Um, and then it's a pretty simple conversation of here are our options we have a traditional uh, mutual fund etf allocation or we can talk about the sustainable one let's let's get into the weeds and figure out what you're looking for how do we make that work for you so um yeah no set no selling
0: no selling at all no
1: (laughs) no i'm not good at that anyway
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's good you don't have to do it then it's not commission based anyway so i guess it doesn't matter but the 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 returns on sustainable investing portfolios are they do they diverge drastically from a more traditional looking portfolio
1: it depends it depends on what you're comparing um With dimensional funds, comparing their traditional to their sustainable, um, sustainable last year outperformed sustainable for the last. Let me think about it. In the last five years, sustainable had outperformed a little bit. There was a there's less of a value tilt in the sustainable funds, but they track pretty close um, so far. But that is a testament to they're still really focused on being really well diversified, it's not super concentrated. If you were to compare that to a fund where you know, maybe there were 30 holdings, yeah, they're gonna be extremely different. But um, the goal would be you don't wanna sacrifice big returns. You don't wanna sacrifice um, bigger fees that's that's really key. Um, maybe it's a slightly more expensive, but the goal would be not in any any way that it's going to significantly depress your returns. So um, it it, de- it depends on what you're comparing in terms of those funds. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What about uh, what about cryptocurrencies? Do you think they they have the potential for winning on the social front and losing on the environmental front?
1: Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, thinking about those computers and how much how much energy they're using um, is kind of tough for me to wrap my head around.
0: Yeah, I mean, is it a is is our crypto offerings? Is this part of the conversation in the sort of ESG sustainable investing circles, or is it still kind of on the periphery?
1: Definitely on the periphery. In in my experience, we that hasn't really been in the same conversation. Um, not to say that it won't be soon, but at this point that's that's a pretty separate conversation and maybe just an aside of hey what do we think about it um, mm-hmm. not how do we incorporate it into our sustainable fund mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good question
0: yeah I, I of course of course it's an excellent question
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: kidding of course <laughs> um, the the well the sell I guess on a lot of cryptocurrencies is essentially that it's a it's a social mobilization or it's a it's a social type um tool because it opens up markets to people who maybe didn't have access to the market number one that assumes that they have a smartphone and access to the internet so i think there's a big there is a hurdle there there's a big assumption there and number two it doesn't necessarily take into account that most cryptocurrencies are not currencies at all and they can't be transacted in like currencies for most things uh, at least not in our country. Okay. And number three, that they don't have this great environmental back to them. You know, there's they haven't sorted out. I don't think the environmental impact piece, which I can only, I can only assume at some point is going to catch up.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And there's only so much. You know, if you think about a carbon offset, so mm-hmm. there's only so much that goes to be planting more trees to offset the amount that you're, you know. Exp- um, taking up in your energy use but yeah i think that will that'll be a big factor in terms of in my opinion how young people view it how young people maybe want to use it because that matters all these things are interconnected all these systems even though um, we feel really separated from a lot of this stuff and it's really easy to just be on our smartphones and not really take into account all these different outside factors that all matters and if you're mm-hmm. thinking about climate change you're thinking about sustainability, got to really think about it from a big, big view, big perspective.
0: Yeah. How do you ensure that your investments in, say, particular companies are not just supporting normal human behavior within profit making companies and by that i mean profit making companies human Mm -hmm. behavior in profit making companies tends to lead to incentives for activities that put profits before other things Mm -hmm. and that's pretty consistent i think history backs me up on this i don't know how many examples a person would want me to give them to support this but (laughs) Um, it seems, it seems to me that one of the flaws, if there is, if there's a bit of a knock on sustainable investing is that you're putting money into companies that are essentially structured identically to the companies you don't want to be invested in. And the incentive structure is identical to the company you don't want to be invested in. It's just that one company says that they're doing it for a, altruistic reason, and another one doesn't even pretend that they're doing it for an altruistic reason, mm-hmm. i.e. Yeah. Raytheon is not saying that they're saving the planet, but some other company might be saying that they are, even right. though they're both profit-making entities.
1: I think that the, there's a couple different answers there. A, if a company is saying that they're doing something for the better betterment of the world, the greater good, at some point, the grading system, the different uh, metrics that these sustainable funds are using will get more um sophisticated and hopefully that there is more demand for sustainable reporting within those companies to actually tell you what they're doing, not just say that they're doing it. So I think that there's hopefully more of that on the horizon because investors are truly wanting to see that. So actually being able to compare these companies um, in a more substantial way maybe there's also a lot of making sure that you're voting, in the way that you want to see the world changing and hopefully that there needs to be uh, government action along with what we're asking for, right? Um, there's only so much individual investors can can do, but if everyone's asking for hopefully the same thing, that companies are becoming more sustainable, that they're emitting less greenhouse gases, government needs to be also putting incentives on that too. So, um, I'm kind of, I'm answering that in a, in a different way maybe than you were asking it but i also feel like if there's a company that motivated by profits certainly but sees the potential for more profits if they do the right things i'm okay with that if they're doing the right things in order to be more successful that's great and that's what that's what kind of the goal is as long as they're not just saying it and not doing anything yes that that would be the issue but hopefully reporting and standards catch up
0: right yeah no that that makes sense i think i think that's right at least in my mind that it's the the kind of outside pressure and grading that would keep people honest right uh you know it's sort of maybe akin to organic uh rating systems or kosher rating systems where of course there are going to be scoundrels there are scoundrels who game those systems. But ultimately, profit-making companies uh, force themselves to comply with those those standards because ultimately it's in their best interest as a profit-making entity to do that because there's a market they want to access. Right.
1: Yeah. And if the market is big enough and asking for that, they would be foolish not to be moving in Mm -hmm. that direction. Mm-hmm. And then, in a greater scale, like we were talking about earlier, if these profit making companies don't have clean water and good air to breathe, what's the point of making a profit anymore?
0: <laughs> Su- super yachts. So you can buy super yachts.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> <that's good. laughs>
0: I think we all know the answer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the, <laughs> it's the super yachts and jets.
0: And jets. Yes. Don't forget yeah. the jets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very, very interesting. I I could talk with you about this all day long, Lily, but I know you have things to do. So uh, I appreciate your your assistance with this conversation and lending your time.
1: I am so happy you asked me. I am always excited to talk about anything in the sustainable world. So let me know when you want to talk again.
0: Absolutely. Well, <laughs> and enjoy your race. Good luck in your training. Oh,
1: thanks, Brent. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at Wealth and Law. I'll see you there.